Good evening, it's the week of the 19th of May and this is Onshot.net Education News. On this week's show, the principal who robbed over €200,000 from his school, how Tuesla wrecks another school completion programme project, and why the Catholic Church wants to take back communion. This and loads more in the next 20 minutes or so. We're going to start off with the uh, first story uh, from the Irish Independent, uh, which starts off with a former principal who stole €204,000 from his school uh, for golf equipment and weekends away. He's been sent to jail after his original suspended sentence was deemed way too lenient. Uh, the Irish Independent states Finbar Boyle, who's uh, age 39, uh, from Ballybuffet in D- County Donegal, he pleaded guilty to five counts of theft and two counts of forgery while he was the principal at Kilnalek National School in County Cavan between 2007 and 2012. Now I remember the original sentence seemed very very lenient and it's good to see that this crime has got what it's deserved. Um, one question people might ask though is is how did the school actually receive um, 200,000 euro that he could actually steal? Um, well I my school is involved in the school completion program and I'm, I'm thinking um, this particular uh, uh, school principal was, uh, in that school was in the um, in the scheme, uh, dash scheme, so they would have got a uh, f- uh, free school lunches or funding towards uh, free school lunches. Now, if it's an a hundred uh, an a hundred pupil school, who gets um uh lunch and a breakfast club, uh, that's uh basically equates to about two euro a day per pupil, which works out at about twenty six thousand six hundred euro a year. So after seven years, that will get you close to about two hundred thousand uh, euro um into a bank account now how would the board of management not know about this how could a principal like this actually steal the money um well strangely enough um one of the rules uh, for uh, having a lunch club is that all schools have to have a separate bank account specifically for this purpose um now the thing is there's very little accountability with bank accounts uh, um, in some schools. You, I mean, generally, best practice is that you have a few signatories on a bank account, uh, and most schools would do this. But sometimes there's a lot of trust uh, kept in the one person. So it is uh, it, 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 it is possible that, uh, that the board of management may not have been aware of that particular account, and he may have been the only signee on it. That's up until a few years ago. Look, it could have easily been done, I guess, um, it does sound like he was also treating the capitation grant as a business expense account with all these uh, golf trips and uh, fancy dinners. Anyway, I suppose, uh, I don't know, it's probably uh, good enough for him anyway uh, that it all caught up with him. Um, it's only a couple of weeks ago uh, when I spent an entire episode on onshaw.net, uh, if I were the Minister for Education, about how Tusler are actually wrecking the school completion programme. And sure enough, um, a news story follows a couple of weeks later with an example of that. Um, basically, um, there the RTE revealed uh, that a school completion program uh, initiative in Navan, County Meath, uh, where parents and teachers uh, basically th- they've said it's helped reduce absenteeism. It's under threat from lack of funding now. The, it was basically a bus service called Flexibus, uh, which was, sorry, uh, run by Flexibus, saw 57 students from the outskirts of Navan, Navan brought in by bus to the school in that area. And it was uh, introduced in 2017. Uh, it's three 18-seater buses uh, bringing the young people to school in time for their breakfast club and home after a homework club. 
Um, now, the result of that is absenteeism um, in the autumn term uh, last year was only 4.1% according to the article compared to nearly 20% absenteeism the year before. I mean, what does that really say? Um, and this is when before there was a service. Now, the service itself is funded by a few places, uh, the Children and Young People's Service Committees, as well as there was grants from the National Lottery, the National Transport Authority and most importantly, TUSTA under the School Completion Programme. Now, School Completion Programme are very much against these things called universal supports. They want you to target specific children um, or students in, in their programme and something like this would not be deemed appropriate. Now, it begs the question, like if something like this works, and reduces the targeted behaviour, which is attendance, which is central to the school completion program. Why would Tusla not deem it correct? Uh, you know, d it again, as I've said before, or not, I said before, as 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 the original intention of uh, the school completion program was, uh, it was led by local uh, schools with uh, with solutions to local problems. Um, but anyway, that is an unfortunate uh, consequence of bureaucracy uh, and big data taking over from common sense uh, there's a few stories um uh, basically about uh, uh from the about the catholic church uh, this week um and uh, they always come on my radar uh, especially as now it is communion season um i mean if you've listened to recent podcasts um i mean I, i'm sure it's and I'm sure just through looking, um, uh, <laughs> opening your eyes and looking around, you can see this year it's become extremely vulgar. I mean, this year is over the top. I mean, I, I mean, I used to at least people used to pay some sort of tokenistic um, a th a thing to the to, to the community. You know, you'd see the kids whenever a camera was pointed in their face, they'd clasp their hands together as if in prayers. Or you'd see rosary beads like that, this year. That all seems to be gone. They're not even hiding their um you know the, the fact that they don't they're not treating it as a as a religious ceremony i mean if i was a practicing catholic i, I mean you know I'd, I'd be absolutely um you know appalled by how it's going i mean i, I i'm just i mean i'm just back uh yeah over the weekend i was just out and about and um i was in a, a local coffee shop and there was like people like you could mistake them for dressed up as a wedding um, I mean, they were, they were like wearing fascinators and all sorts of stuff um, in their hair, having having coffee before the, the going to the church. And I was went into a shop to uh, like a, just went into a shop to buy um, a new pair of trousers and I could hear the shop staff talking about their younger brother um, making the confirmation as if this was all, you know, as if it was a social event rather than a religious event. They weren't, you know, they, they didn't even it was kind of interesting. They didn't really even know what it was all about um it was just kind of i was eavesdropping a little bit I, I hope they kind of didn't notice but um donald lynch in the irish independent introduces the season with um with this really nice paragraph about it um it's called uh, he starts with streaks of fake tan on the bouncing castle a pop-up charity shop overflowing with a tweel lace chiffon and tiny jackets with rosettes princess packages and elaborate plaits at the local hair salon day drinking for parents fizzy drinks and tantrums for their offspring and of course more kitschy ornaments than you'd get on a visit to knock but he goes on to make some compelling arguments with uh, the headline of the article is how ireland turned its back on religion but kept communion and in fairness it's a really well written critique holding up i suppose what i <laughs> a diamante rim, rim mirror back on the faces of middle ireland 
even as Irish adults turn their back en masse um, uh, boom boom uh, on traditional uh, religious rights in the wake of ferns tomb and other theocratic uh, atrocities it seems that as ever different rules apply to children in this country he writes he carries on we're iffy about baptism we're having less and less church weddings but the temptation to dress up our kids like tiny brides and grooms is evidently stronger than any progressive disquiet about Catholic ideology I think it's a fair uh, thing to say he goes on if Muslims did something similar we would possibly consider it a form of oppression but since we're Catholic three tier wedding dresses on little girls must be completely fine look clearly this has all been enabled by us well those of us in Catholic schools I'm mean, talking about teachers here um, we enable this and maybe some of us um, I suppose not in Catholic schools uh, I mean the statistics he points out in working class areas close to 100% of second class pupils celebrate communion in educate together schools the average is 50% now I'm going to be totally honest I didn't even know when the kids in my second class in my school were making their communion and I actually learned from a teacher in another school when I was out running with her the, the that day she she mentioned that oh aren't your kids making their communion today I mean I initially I I, I mean I, I gathered it was it was the school she was talking about uh, because um, I only have one child and uh, he's four so and, and he, he certainly won't be making his communion but um it, I didn't know it was happening, um, but, you know, this is how it is. But, I mean, even even the church don't even want it. I, I wouldn't blame them, to be honest, given what it's become. I, I, I have a few friends who actually genuinely practice their religion quietly and properly. And most people, I suppose, would deem them uh, to be kind of old-fashioned and out of touch. But I, I totally respect them, even if I don't agree with their views, because they come from a real belief in their scriptures. I always say, like, my secular beliefs could be wrong. You know, I might be wrong and not believing in, in, in a God. And, and maybe when I'll die, I'll end up in, in, in heaven, most likely hell, I suppose. And someone there is going to tell me, for God's sake, I sent you those few friends to try and make you see that it's all true. <laughs> anyway, a survey from Dublin, uh, the Dublin Archbishop revealed that 75% of people are actually in favour of opting into sacraments and taking them out of the, um, taking it out of schools, uh, out of school time. Now, I mean, that, uh, that, 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 that was really astonishing to me and I'm really, it was really nice to hear it. And you see, I don't really care what people do in their own time. And what I do care about is the current situation where I'm the freak because I don't buy into the sacraments, even though I, I probably believe um, <laughs> as much of it as the majority of people that actually do it. Um, that is nothing. Uh, anyway, I think the church have it right this time. Um, they can't stand over what sacraments have become. And it must be awful being a priest, watching all these people blatantly, blatantly lying about something that they care very much about. Like, I mean, I actually, I mean, look, I I, I mean, while I, I wouldn't be a priest myself, it's I have to respect the fact that this this is a man who's taken a decision um, to never have sex again. Like, I, I mean, sorry, that sounds a bit disrespectful, but I mean, it's a big deal. And and certainly to, to follow a life of, um, you know, a life of chastity, that's that's probably more respectful. And, and basically to preach and about something he really, really believes about. Um, and then every year he's got hordes of people who don't care and actually take the mickey out of him a little bit. And, and ultimately, you know, look, at the end of the day, ultimately sacraments have to come out of schools and it needs to be brought back to the church. Um, that's where it really is at. I mean, if you're, you know, that's where sacraments belong. Everyone knows it as well. And the only real losers are actually going to be, if this actually happens, are probably bouncy castle sellers. And that's not being, uh, not uh, being disrespectful. I think 
we all agreed that this year was a bit of an eye-opener it was a bit of a change in uh, in how things were going in that i think the religion was taken out of communion and uh, there was no apologies for it and anyway, one of life's big questions is how do you fit a square peg into a round hole and no that is not an innuendo even though i'm moving on to sex education in ireland Yes, the Times headline uh, says that the state is urged to remove school ethos as a barrier to sex education. Now, personally, I'd remove the last five words from that headline, which would be state urged to remove school ethos. But anyway, um, but the thing is, you know, I, removing removing the school ethos as a barrier to sex education, you, you can't have your cake and eat it. And again, this is me going back to it. I, I can't believe I'm agreeing with the Catholic Church twice in, in, in less than two minutes. Um, if schools have to have a Catholic ethos, then they have to follow the philosophies of Catholicism, whether they like them or not. You can't just pick and choose bits of a religion you like and then impose the bits you do like on everyone else. I mean, this seems to be Ireland's philosophy at the moment. And again, I'm sorry, Malahide. I'm going to use you as the example again. Malahide, Right, the, the, uh, I mean, I, I won't even explain why. So you, you, you listened to previous, the last few podcasts about uh, about where, where, why I'm using Malahide. But anyway, Malahide was the second highest voting group in favour of same-sex marriage and abortion rights in Ireland in the, re- in the last referendums. And these are elements that are completely against Catholic teaching. Fast forward a year or so later, and not one of the eight uh, Catholic schools in the area would consider divesting to the non-Catholic model, and even went as far as spreading lies about what about the about a non-Catholic model, so they wouldn't have to move away from being a non-Catholic model, or sorry, from being a Catholic model. So for me, you can't have it both ways. Like if you're making your holy, if making your holy communion is really important, then you have to take the human rights violations that come with it. And staying with human rights violations. We'll move away from Ireland uh, for a change and uh, look at Austria, who've decided to ban people from wearing headscarves. And by people, I mean Muslims. Um, The law is worded in such a way not to mention Muslims, but the ruling parties openly state that it only affects Muslims. It doesn't actually affect Sikh uh, boys or Jewish boys who might also choose to wear head coverings. Look, I always say I'm equally baffled by all religions, but I can't understand how people seem to be obsessed, absolutely obsessed with Muslims and head coverings and then not to care about other religions and their similar practices. I mean, Orthodox Jewish women also have to cover their heads with hats, headscarves and even wigs. And if people maybe have a look at their uh, 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 closer to home um, at, uh, maybe have a look at one of the statues that might be adorning your walls in your in your room. What's what's on Mary's head there? Um, yep. Anyway, um, I can imagine what would happen if the laws did cover all religions. I get very worried when one religion is targeted over others. And yes, that is why I was so annoyed about the partial fall of the baptism barrier, which only focused on Catholic schools rather than all denominational schools. If those of you who might remember Richard Bruton basically lifted the baptism barrier but only for uh, Catholic schools. So Catholic schools can no longer discriminate on enrolment of people who aren't Catholic. But Church of Ireland schools, Jewish schools and Muslim schools can, which is not very fair. Anyway, banning headscarves to restrict one particular religion's practice, whether I agree with the practice or not, reeks of Islamophobia in this case and racism in any other case. I recall there was some other guy who was born in Austria in the past and he had a problem with a particular minority religious group too and he also really uh, introduced restrictions to their human rights. Now at some point they were uh, rather than being forced not to wear something they were forced to wear um, an item on their clothing. It was a yellow star. I, I look Anyway I don't know what became of that but anyway you get my point.
We'll move on back to Ireland and the INTO have released their priorities for the next budget. And when I list them, I'm going to list their three priorities here. Now see if you can guess what's missing. It's, you know, Anshaw is all about quizzes now. So let's see if you can get them. I'm going to read them out. Priority number one, reduce class size. Okay, that's number one. And uh, just it goes on about to say basically they want to re we have the highest uh, class size and we want to reduce it um, reduce class size. That's self-explanatory. Number two, support leadership. Workload burdens are making school leadership impossible. That's kind of so basically support leadership. That's that's about that. And then the third priority is fund schools. Basically, in the recession, we used to get 200 euro per child and the capitation grant has gone down to 170. Probably it went up by one or two percent then. So it's about 173 euro at the moment. Now, see if you can guess what is missing from the INTO's priority list. Yep, it's that old chestnut, pay equality. Of course, the INTO cannot understand what their members are on about. Why would they put pay equality all? Didn't we get pay equality ages ago and weren't those silly members too silly to notice and weren't they silly to vote against it when we when didn't we not tell them to vote in favor of it and sure the silly members won't have to wouldn't have realized that even though they were silly enough to vote against the PSSA we haven't they you know the INTO haven't bothered to ballot them for industrial action because they're too silly anyway to understand and sure didn't we get a pathway yes a pathway to full equality at congress sure why would the INTO put a silly thing like pay equality on their priority list when we have a pathway yeah a pathway no less i don't know anyway one thing we need to do is start listening to young people um about climate change um and uh sorry that, that may have sounded flippant we really need to listen to young people about climate change because according to the irish independent two-thirds of 12 to 24 year olds identify climate and social issues as priority areas for science and technology to tackle in the next 20 years um our generation, which is what's well, when I say our generation, I mean my generation, uh, have uh, chose chosen more functional advancements like greater use of artificial intelligence in transport. Now, I have to say, I was really surprised to see people of my generation prioritizing AI in transport. Now, I can't say this would have been my choice for science and technology's priority into the future. And I'd like to think I would have said something about sustainability. But that's easy after I've read this article. But to be honest, if there was a list and I saw artificially intelligent cars, my, to be honest my inner nerd wouldn't have would have would, would have gotten way too excited but still yes young people are totally right and um as much as i'm uh, i'd love a self-driving car i i think there are bigger priorities and saving our planet is obviously way more important than um than me having a car to drive me to wherever i want um, music generation is extending and um, yes the scheme that is part funded by U2 is moving into some more counties I actually thought they were in all counties but there you go and the government loved this project to be honest with you because do you know what they do they have to invest almost nothing into it and then they also get all the credit for it and meanwhile U2 put a little bit of money into it and they get loads of credit for it too and schools are left to fundraise the rest of the money because they don't they don't fund it completely so and the reason they do this because because the reason they fundraise it for it is because they don't want to be the only uh, only school in town not doing it because if they're the only school in the town not doing it then they're being mean to bono um or maybe i don't know but we i uh, i have to say i'm my school's i think we're the only school in our town not doing it and when i refused to do it at first it was as if i'd actually told the person on the phone um 
when they offered it to me that I, I, I literally hated music and I wished for all music to stop. Now, that's kind of true for me of almost any music post 1996, 1997. No, seriously, no. The, the reason I didn't do it is because we're actually all perfectly capable of teaching music to children without having to spend a fortune. And I really, really have a big problem with this being a venture from um, you two and the government without it actually being fully funded by both of them. I, I am not happy with uh, things being partially funded, um, half funded. I'd actually do it if it was fully funded. I'd, I'd have no problem doing it if it's fully funded. However, the other schools do it because I think the same. Re- I think it's the same reasons. Schools constantly do things they don't want to do because the school up the road is doing it. And if I don't do it, uh, then people will talk about us not being the music generation school. Oh, look at them. Oh, they're too big for the boost to do music generation. I don't, I don't know anyway. But um, anyway, uh, well done. Um, I mean, in fairness, you do. They don't have to invest anything into the Irish education system. It should be uh, fully funded by the Department of Education um, in the first place. Anyway, no one seems to know who's to blame for the lack of resources um, uh, for uh, for the lack of resources given to uh, special education needs in schools. Last week, uh, the fault was with schools, according to As I Am. The week before, it was the government, according to As I Am. And this week, it seems to be enrolment policies, so schools again. And according to the Irish Independent, new legislation has been put in place to ensure that schools open their enrolment policies to children with special education needs. Now, my first thought when I saw this article was it must have been written over 20 years ago because my understanding is that no school that I know of refuses a child with special education needs unless there are strong concerns about the health and about health and safety now i'm not naive to th- enough to think that there aren't some schools that dissuade some families to try out others uh, other schools that are better equipped i say in um, inverted commas to deal with special education needs but that's not going to change anything by changing legislation they can still do that dissuading if they really are that way inclined what i do think this article is referring to though is a plan to give new powers to the ncse to force schools to open asd classes whether or not it's a good idea um to do so in the first place now the government don't really give don't they don't care about providing appropriate accommodation proper resources or trained teachers they just care about bums on seats and they don't care what those seats look like and actually what we're doing is we're actually creating an even bigger problem for children with special educational needs by forcing them into situations where they have teachers who are totally untrained uh, to um, deal with their uh, deal with their needs and classrooms that are completely inappropriate um, for their safety um DCU have decided to highlight the great work of teachers asking members of the public to write to them about a great teacher they had and then celebrate them at some sort of teacher of the year bash. I covered this in the main podcast about school completion program and my thoughts on these types of things. I really, really hate them. I hate them. Uh, generally, what I uh, generally what I found is winners of these types of competitions aren't particularly the most deserving of the accolade because generally the best teachers quietly do their own job and children learn really well and it's all nice and quiet and effective with no need for any pizzazz the ones that generally win it are ones where the student has done really well in their career and they look back to that uh, to the teacher of that subject and so on it goes on but look to be honest what I really don't like about it is it creates this kind of celebrity culture in a profession and it's a little bit distasteful to me that you've got these these kind of that celeb sort of best teacher kind of thing going on. I only know of one teacher of the year um, that kind of used it well. Uh, that was uh, a friend of mine, Evelyn O'Connor, who actually used the platform to lambast the education system. It was kind of, I thought, fair play. That was quite cool. Um, and uh, that video is probably lurking around the internet uh, still. 
Anyway, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's news podcast and be sure to tune into our main podcast, If I Were the Minister for Education, which is out every Wednesday morning, just in time for your midweek slump. Um, it's almost sure to get your blood boiling, um, whether you agree with me or not. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify and any other podcasting app by searching for either Onshaw.net or If I Were the Minister for Education. I'd really, really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast so each new episode will be available to you immediately after its release. Please also feel free to review this podcast so others can find it more easily okay so thank you so much uh, again for listening i hope you enjoyed this um, second um, news uh, podcast from onshaw.net uh, tune in next week and uh, we'll give you some more thanks a million bye bye <laughs>